Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. The Impeachment Witch Hunt with Greg Jarrett. If Congressman Adam Schiff was around in 1864, he would have orchestrated the impeachment of Abraham Lincoln. Schiff and his Confederate impeachment managers demand that President Trump be removed from office because he did something that might advantage him politically in the upcoming election. This, they claim, is an impeachable abuse of power. Nonsense. But on the floor of the Senate, Schiff exclaimed that Trump wanted to cheat in the November presidential election by asking Ukraine to investigate former Vice President Joe Biden and his son Hunter over potential corruption. The president's abuse of power also affected our election integrity. The framers of our Constitution were particularly fearful that a president might misuse or abuse the power of his office to undermine the free and fair elections at the heart of our democracy. Sadly, that moment has arrived. President Trump's repeated solicitation of a Ukrainian investigation was a clear effort to leverage foreign interference to bolster his prospects in the 2020 election. In other words, to cheat in his election. Democrats are the only ones who are buying this thin gruel. History tells us that American presidents often take actions that advantage themselves politically. Indeed, one can argue that nearly all presidential decisions have some ancillary or secondary political calculation. It is the inherent nature of politics. I recently read historian Doris Kearns Goodwin's brilliant work entitled Team of Rivals. In Chapter 24, she recounts how Republican President Abraham Lincoln utilized the powers of his office to ensure that Union soldiers in the field, who vigorously supported Lincoln's re-election in 1864, were given the chance to cast their ballots for him. Now, at the time, most states permitted absentee ballots for troops, but the crucial state of Indiana did not. So, Lincoln wired General Sherman, encouraging him to grant his men leave to return briefly to their state of Indiana. Here's a quote from The Wire. Anything you can do safely to let her soldiers or any part of them go home and vote at the state election will be greatly in point. Those were Lincoln's words. Despite the risk that this might compromise his troop strength, General Sherman consented. At the same time, Secretary of War Edwin Stanton saw to it that furloughs were granted. Civil War journalist Charles Dana wrote, quote, All the power and influence of the War Department was employed to secure the re-election of Mr. Lincoln. And there's more. At Lincoln's direction, the government also provided Navy boats to gather ballots from the sailors. Now, did Lincoln use the power of his office for political gain? Of course he did. Was it an abusive power? No. 
While Lincoln was the clear beneficiary of the military votes, there were other compelling reasons that justified his actions. For example, he felt that soldiers should not be disenfranchised because of their service. But his larger goal was to preserve the Union and end slavery. His opponent in the election, General George McClellan, promised to end the Civil War immediately and tolerate slavery in the South. It's folly to criticize Abraham Lincoln's motives, although Adam Schiff surely would. Under his contorted impeachment standard, anything that benefits the president's personal political interests is an impeachable offense, regardless of whether another legitimate or lawful purpose may exist. And in fact, history is replete with examples of how many presidents have rendered decisions that benefit themselves and the nation simultaneously. In a column in the New York Times, constitutional law professor Josh Blackman also cited the actions of President Lyndon Johnson back in 1967. He maneuvered to appoint Thurgood Marshall as the first African-American justice to the U.S. Supreme Court. This certainly advanced civil rights enormously, but it also burnished Johnson's political standing. He became more popular. As Professor Blackman explained, quote, Politicians routinely promote their understanding of the general welfare while in the back of their minds, considering how those actions will affect their popularity. Yet the impeachment trial threatens to transform this well-understood aspect of politics into an impeachable offense. Against this backdrop, let's re-examine what President Trump actually said in his telephone conversation with Ukrainian President Zelensky. Trump stated, quote, The other thing, there's a lot of talk about Biden's son, that Biden stopped the prosecution, and a lot of people want to find out about that, so whatever you can do with the attorney general would be great. Biden went around bragging that he stopped the prosecution. So if you can look into it, it sounds horrible to me. That was the end of the president's statement. Zelensky responded by saying he was knowledgeable about the situation. He vowed that a new prosecutor would look into it. He added that a renewed investigation of the company Burisma, which paid Hunter Biden more than a million dollars to sit on its board, despite no energy experience, was important to restore honesty. Adam Schiff insists that Trump's motive was driven purely by personal political gain against a prospective opponent. Yet Schiff completely ignores the dual purpose supported by the record. Trump was reluctant to hand over nearly $400 million in American money to a country rife with corruption. Since taking office, President Trump had repeatedly criticized Ukraine for its corruption. In the Zelensky conversation, Trump expressed concern that Joe Biden had been bragging on camera of how he had engineered a financial quid pro quo that resulted in the firing of a Ukrainian prosecutor who had stated to news organizations that he was investigating corruption at Burisma and Hunter Biden's role. 
Therefore, as president, it was entirely appropriate for Trump to ask Ukraine to look into any potentially corrupt act by a high American public official involving Ukraine. Isn't this something Americans want to know? Isn't it something they need to know? If it was Joe Biden's intent to protect or benefit his son by threatening to withhold $1 billion in taxpayer money unless the prosecutor was fired, it might well constitute a violation of various anti-corruption laws. Trump had every right to inquire. Indeed, under the terms of a two-decade-old treaty, Ukraine is obligated to furnish the United States with such information. Biden does not enjoy immunity simply because he is now running for president. Trump's request was perfectly legal. The first article of impeachment does not even allege a crime or violation of law. Instead, House Democrats assert that the president's motivation was political, as if that's some novel concept. As history instructs, this is not uncommon in presidential decision-making and never before has served as the sole basis for impeachment. History also informs us that the second article of impeachment is without merit. It accuses the president of obstruction of Congress because he resisted congressional subpoenas by invoking legally recognized privileges and immunities. In Ron Chernow's biography of George Washington, the author explains how the nation's first president defied demands by members of the House to access confidential communications and deliberations involving a treaty of neutrality with Great Britain. Adam Schiff would have impeached George Washington. Washington eventually reached a compromise with the Senate, but his principle of executive privilege was firmly established then and followed by subsequent presidents under the doctrine of separation of powers. Nearly 200 years later, the U.S. Supreme Court weighed in, stating that it is patently unconstitutional to penalize a person's reliance on his legal rights. This would certainly apply to the president. As Representative Jerry Nadler reminded Congress during the impeachment of President Bill Clinton, he declared, quote, the use of a legal privilege is not illegal or impeachable by itself. Yet now, as a House manager in the Trump impeachment, Nadler is arguing just the opposite. It confirms that this president sees no limits on his power or on his ability to use his public office for private gain. And of course, the president also believes that he can use his power to cover up his crimes. That leads me to the second article of impeachment, which charges that the president categorically, indiscriminately, and unlawfully obstructed our inquiry, the congressional inquiry, into his conduct. This presidential stonewalling of Congress is unprecedented in the 238-year history of our constitutional republic. It puts even President Nixon to shame. Constitutional law professor Jonathan Turley warned the House Judiciary Committee during his December testimony that, quote, basing impeachment on this obstruction theory would itself be an abuse of power 
by Congress. He was right. Stay right there. We'll be right back after this. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. The Republican Party has never been so unified. You've seen that too. 195 or 196 to nothing in the House twice. Uh, three Democrats came to our side. And I think we're going to have some people come to our side. No, it's a hoax. It's a terrible thing. And it's a hoax. Well, the president reacting to his impeachment trial in the Senate. Let's bring in former federal prosecutor Jim Trusty for some legal perspective. Jim, great to have you with us. Uh, So the president's principal defense, first and foremost, is even if you accept all of the allegations leveled by Schiff and Nadler, um, the two articles of impeachment are defective on their face because they fail to state Uh, impeachable offenses, no crimes, no violations of law, unlike all previous presidential impeachments. Is that a valid defense? Yeah, I think so, Greg. I think that's a hugely important starting point that should be the key point of emphasis, not the only point, but the key point as the president's defenders step up, which is to continuously say, look, we have the benefit of the written word of the Constitution. You don't have to dig around in the Federalist Papers and look for kind of the legislative history. We have the plain language on our side which says this stuff cannot, by definition, be a crime. It's just like in civil litigation where you file a motion to dismiss for failure to state a claim. Uh, It's the type of stuff that lends itself to dismissal without witnesses. Well, let me ask you about a motion to dismiss. While it might not be a good idea for Republicans to pursue it on Article 1, Article 2 seems to me to be a slam dunk motion to dismiss. Uh, Because Article 2 is saying uh, it's obstruction of Congress for you to assert a legally recognized privilege. I mean, that's ludicrous, isn't it? Well, I'll put it this way. Probably half the lawyers in D.C. would be locked up for obstruction if you're not allowed to defend yourself. And so, you know, this is typical stuff. You can demand a subpoena to show up for court. So you should be the same with Congress. You can say, hey, I got your subpoena, but I have a privilege to assert. Or I'm going to file a motion to quash. There was a conscious decision to avoid litigation over subpoenas. They withdrew subpoenas or didn't issue subpoenas. There was no fight below. But that was a choice of Chairman Schiff. So I agree. I think the second article of impeachment here is essentially disagreeing with Adam Schiff. And I would hope just for the sense of history and precedent that no matter what happens with the first article, that that second article gets tossed at the midpoint here. I mean, Bill Clinton asserted executive privilege more than 20 times. Obama famously asserted it with Eric Holder and Fast and Furious congressional investigation. I mean, if this is now the low standard for an impeachable offense, then those other presidents should have been impeached as well, and future presidents will. Well, it's what Bill Bennett called the cheapening of the currency of impeachment. That's what I'm afraid of for history. I take that as a, in a really nonpartisan way, but that second article is a bad precedent for the rest of time, if it stands. Um, back to article number one, abuse of power. Not only does that fail to state a crime, which historically has been the case in presidential impeachments, but the facts don't support a crime. 
Uh, all of the allegations that went on for weeks and weeks, extortion and bribery and campaign finance violation, in the end, all of that was dropped and none of them were alleged. Right. They, they couldn't actually come up with a federal statute, a high crime or misdemeanor. And you, and you watch the, the Democrats kind of flail for that in terms of which statute they would latch on to. We end up with this very squishy notion of abuse of power. I think it lends itself to the second part of the defense for the president, which is to talk about process, talk about Adam Schiff and really direct everything towards the unfairness of the process with Adam Schiff, which underscores how ridiculous it is to have something this vague as your chief article. Schiff repeatedly tells senators, oh, the evidence is overwhelming. Why then does he need new witnesses that he didn't pursue? Isn't he defeating his own argument? Well, it's the Hail Mary, right? He's an advocate. I don't expect him to say, hey, this is kind of weak stuff. But he comes in, he says, I need more. And that's the hope that they can turn some hearts on the Republican side by having some sort of bombshell that comes out of thin air. I don't really expect it, and I expect they would announce it, whether it happens or not. But that's what he's hoping for, is new information that actually moves the needle. Yeah, and he's telling the Senate, oh, it's an affront to due process if you don't have witnesses. Yeah, like the due process you deprive Trump of in the House proceedings. Jim Trusty, great to see you as always. Thank you. Uh, you too. Thanks, Greg. That was James Trusty, former federal prosecutor. History will not be kind to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Adam Schiff, or Jerry Nadler. Driven by an abiding hatred of Trump, their tortured interpretation of the Constitution has diminished the exceptional power of impeachment. Their unconscionable quest to evict him from office will not hold up to scrutiny when the final chapters of history are written. They are the ones, not Trump, who have been motivated by personal political gain. I'm Greg Jarrett. Pick up my new book, Witch Hunt, the story of the greatest mass delusion in American political history. 